Welcome to the Professional Magician Podcast. Discover ways to book more shows at higher fees from a guy who's been doing it for over 20 years. Here's Chris Johnson. 10 Tips to Make Your Virtual Shows Even Better. I'm Chris Johnson. Thank you for joining me for the Professional Magician Podcast. This is being recorded on December 23rd. I just got back from seeing The Matrix Resurrections. I loved it. Thought it was a great sequel to the original trilogy. And the reason why I'm mentioning exactly when I'm recording this is because the um, the uh, coronavirus is still raging through the United States and, and most of the parts of the world. Uh, and, and I mention that in context because this episode, as the intro talked about, is about virtual shows. Um, I had believed, probably like a lot of you out there, that virtual shows were going to go the way of the dodo. Um, when the, vac- when the vaccine started rolling out, I think a lot of people thought that we're going to be getting back to a quote-unquote normal life a lot faster. But I think because of uh, the uh, Delta and the Omicron variant and so forth that is overtaking much of the country and, and big chunks, uh, cu- cutting large swaths through the world, um, I think virtual shows are going to be here to stay for a while. Um, I know here in the Northeast, um, I'm getting a, a lot of requests for live shows, but I'm also still getting requests for uh, virtual shows as well. So I still think virtual shows are going to be a thing. Uh, my primary market has um, has been for schools and uh, libraries is my secondary market. But I know a lot of the folks out there, some of my friends and, and probably some of you watching, um, are also doing family shows. Uh, my friend Ken Scott from Georgia, he is uh, he's been I don't know about now, but he's been doing a ton of virtual family shows, uh, selling tickets and so forth, and doing quite well with it. So um, I figured now is as timely a time as ever. Timely time as ever. <laughs> Great, Chris. It's my second episode. Give me a break. Um, I thought this would be a timely topic uh, to help folks out there who maybe haven't fully embraced virtual shows. Um, I know folks like Ken Scott and um, you know Doug Shear and other people that I know um, have really embraced the technological aspects of virtual shows and really made them amazing productions. Uh, Joe Romano, another friend of mine, has been doing uh, great things with virtual shows. I, I've seen some of Joe Romano's um, clips from his virtual shows, and I'm, I, got, I got very depressed very quickly because mine are nowhere near as good as his. But on the same token, um, I've seen other folks' virtual shows, and they're pretty much just filmed like in their living room with a bookcase in the background and not a lot of chutzpah to it. So, And those are fine, but again, with shows being the state of where they are right now in December 2021, I think uh, that if you really want to um, stand out amongst the crowd, you got to level up, uh, my personal opinion. So these are some virtual show notes, some tips to make your shows better, and most of these don't require a whole lot of investment. Like I said, some of the folks that I've spoken to, um, they've really gone all out. I mean, they've got you know special effects and you know costume changes and all kinds of amazing things. And, and these are for folks like me who um, I, I went in simple. I wanted to put out good content, make my, especially my science show, my virtual science show as interactive as possible. And I concentrated mostly on content, but I also want to level up and make it more than just me sitting in front of in front of my my bookcase in my living room, for example. So with that being said, let's dive right in. Um, tip number one uh, from a show production standpoint, while the show's running, if you've never done virtual shows before, or if you've got a limited experience, you want to turn off your attributes if you're using Zoom. I mentioned Zoom because that is the most popular platform. Uh, when COVID really hit hard, there were other platforms out there and still are like uh, GoToWebinar, 
Meet.com, I believe, and some other ones. Uh, Google Meet uh, became a favorite of schools for a variety of different reasons. Um, but I think for a lot of the people out there listening to this, Zoom is probably the primary choice. Zoom really, really took the lead. So in in your Zoom settings, there's something called attributes. And you want to turn those off when you're doing a, a live virtual show. And the reason is, if you're like me and you're doing pre-recorded segments, and we'll cover that later, if you're using pre-recorded segments during your show and your attributes are turned on, um, kids can scribble on the screen. Uh, and I discovered this to my horror in one of my earlier virtual shows, uh, the winter of last year. Um, I had several pre-recorded segments during my show. And again, I'll, I'll get to the reasons why later on in this broadcast. Um, and, but whenever I ran a pre-recorded segment, I would see like these scribbles across the screen. They look, they look just like scribbles, but they're digital and they're in different colors. I'm like, what is this? I, I, again, I, was a, I wasn't a Zoom neophyte, but I didn't know everything there is to know about it by any sense of the any stretch of the imagination. So between shows, some of the teachers got on the call and they told me, yeah, you have to turn off your attributes. Otherwise the kids can scribble. They can virtually scribble. They can draw on the screens and everything. I'm like, okay, uh, lesson learned. So again, just go into your settings, turn off your attributes so that if you are doing pre-recorded segments, you don't run into the same problem that I had. And you see all these, <laughs> it's, it's literally scribbling. It's just the funniest thing in the world. Um, if you're in in schools or libraries like I am and they want you to use Google Meet, which in my experience, and again, everybody out there has different levels of experience, but in my experience, and I've done oh, probably 60 or 70 virtual presentations, but I know people. there's people out there who have done a ton more than me, but I didn't do them for birthdays. I did, I did them just for schools and libraries. But anyway, in my experience, the second most popular platform has been Google Meet for uh, a variety of reasons. Well, let me back up a second. A lot of schools believe that Google Meet was more secure than Zoom. Early on in the pandemic, Zoom had some security issues and there's some inappropriate content on there and that sort of thing. And they've since fixed those security issues. So they're very very secure. And a lot of the so-called security breaches came from older students passing their passwords out to other people who weren't supposed to be in on the call. And uh, so anyway, a lot of that, Zoom got a bad rap. But for whatever reason, those reasons and others, Google Meet became the preferred choice of many school districts. So if you're going to use Google Meet uh, for a school client, what you want to do is uh, use uh, Chrome as your browser. I used Firefox and had some troubles when I was first logging in and some different issues. Um, and especially you want to use Google Chrome if you're doing pre-recorded content because um, you cannot use pre-recorded content in any any fashion or form that I know of in, in my experimentation with my clients um, in, um, um, in Firefox or some of the other browsers out there. So Google Meet, use, uh, use Chrome for your browser. And if you are going to use pre-recorded content, even in Chrome, you can't uh, like Zoom. You can if you have your videos on your desktop in Zoom, you can share your screen and the videos will play normally during your Zoom broadcast. In Chrome, um, I, I, it's been a while since I've done this. When if you try to do it in Chrome, I think you lose your sound. Uh, or, excuse me, if you use uh, Google Meet and you try to share a video off your desktop, I think you lose your sound. So what you have to do in Google Meet is you have to have, again, just to reiterate over and over again, you have to use Chrome for your browser, and you want to have your videos on either uh, YouTube or, I've, I haven't tried it in Vimeo yet, and then share your screen 
with those videos being hosted on YouTube or, and again, my guess is Vimeo will be fine, but I haven't tested it yet. I just had all my videos, my pre-recorded videos set to private and I did it off of um, YouTube for my pre-recorded segments. Um, that way I was able to share sound and you also have to, ahead of time, tell the folks who is uh, who are doing your hosting uh, to allow you, they, they have settings on their end to allow you to share your videos and have the sound turned on and everything. So Google Meet, the disadvantage of it from my standpoint is that I'm reliant a lot on the hosts to allow me to do certain things, even to the point of letting me in. I was doing one um, Google Meet virtual show last uh, November, I think it was, and and I could see the the people watching me, um, uh, the pe- not people watching me, the other teachers in the room already watching their screens and so forth, and they, they let me in, but then they didn't turn on my sound. And, and and while the kids were were coming in one by one and everything, they weren't looking at their screens. So they couldn't see me waving wildly trying to get them to get their attention and turn on my sound. So those are the kind of things you want to go over with your with your host and your client beforehand. Um, and what I always recommend with my clients is if they say Google Meet has to be the thing that we do a quick run through because again, not everybody is computer savvy. So even though these things are easy for you if you've been doing a lot of virtual shows for your clients, may not be the case. So do a quick run through if you have to use Google Meet to make sure all these areas are kind of ironed out. Um, and again, I've mentioned pre-recorded uh, segments a few times already in this broadcast. And let me expand upon that. That's tip number three. So tip number one is turn off your attributes if you're using Zoom. Tip number two, uh, if you're using Google Meet, coordinate with a client. Use Chrome, Chrome as your browser. If you're using pre-recorded segments, you got to host them online. You can't pull them from your desktop. You lose sound. I believe it's sound. Maybe it's video. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. You just can't use them. Tip number three is using pre-recorded segments. They add flavor and texture to the show. And what I mean by that is early on, I figured out right away because I was resistant. I was really resistant to the idea of virtual shows early on in the pandemic. A lot of my clients reached out and said, are you offering virtual this year? Um, and I turned them all away until like midway through the summer. And I finally said, okay, this thing is not going to go away in three weeks like I thought it would. So I reluctantly began putting together virtual shows. And, and with my science show in particular, it turned out great. And you know that's a whole other topic for another day. But I really put together a science show I'm very proud of. So I figured early on with kids staring at the screen, there's going to be limitations. There's a lot of tricks I can't do. You can't have kids come up and uh, be volunteers and hold props and everything. So right away, I, I recognized that virtual show is going to put you behind the eight ball. So I, I very quickly realized instead of just me talking at the screen for 45 minutes for a show, why not have some pre-recorded segments to liven things up, to give some different flavor to the proceedings? So when I'm doing a pre-recorded, or excuse me, when I'm doing a virtual show, um, about 30 minutes of the show is live, and then throughout the show, I've got <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> segments of the show which are pre-recorded. And, and I'll use my science show as an example. Um, I have segments where I'm, I'm outside. And that really opens up the scope of things. So I can do experiments that I couldn't do indoors anyway. You know, things with basketballs bouncing 20 feet in the air. Um, with I do Diet Coke and Mentos, which makes a big mess. So those kind of things. And having it outside, it, it changes the energy of the show. I added uh, graphics and sound effects to the videos to give those more life as well. And uh, I'll cover some more things in a second. But pre-recorded segments really add flavor and texture to the show. So consider doing that. But it's got to make sense, too. Like if you're, if you're in front of your backdrop or it, in, you know, even in front of your bookcase in your living room, and your pre-recorded segments are also filmed in front of your bookcase in your living room, 
for example, that doesn't really make any sense to even do them. So I, I believe that a pre-recorded segment should have something different, a different costume, a different backdrop, a different location, whatever the case may be. When I was doing my Christmas show, I did maybe a half a dozen or so virtual Christmas shows last year. And at our house, we have all of these lights. You know, we've got, you know, light up snowmen, uh, snowmen. We've got light up Bumble from Rudolph and all these different figurines. Our, our front yard looks fantastic. So my pre-recorded segments were me standing in front of uh, one ornament at a time for like just a couple of minutes and talking about what Christmas meant to me. And it turned into kind of like a hidden um, kind of like hidden messages for character education about respect and family and values and that sort of thing. It wasn't educational per se, but I took the opportunity to not only use the pre-recorded segments to add some flavor and texture to the show, but kind of like lob some some bigger ideas for the kids to ponder as they watch the show. And those turned out really nice too. So those segments were filmed with me outside in front of my ornaments when the you know the day was bright and the sound was good and everything. So again, just ideas to add clarity to the show and texture and variety. That's the word I was, I was thinking of. Um, tip number four, uh, consider creating a show logo. Um, if you were to go to my website, and I'll give you my, my performing website, it's www.elementaryschoolassemblies.com. And if when you look at that show, or look at that website rather, you will see that every show that I offer has its own unique logo. So if you don't do different different logos yet for your shows, for your virtual shows especially, consider getting a logo designed professionally. Um, I got mine designed from a, a Fiverr guy, and I know there's a lot of you know Fiverr you know, overseas, blah blah blah. Um, and I went to different people in the United States, different graphic artists, trying to get a really good graphic designer, and they just they really couldn't hit it for me. They just it really didn't work. So as a result, going to this Fiverr guy, I mean, he he's like he's jacked into my head. It's like something out of the Matrix. We're really connected. I tell him what I want, and he nails it almost in the first time every every time. His, his logos are absolutely gorgeous. I've never seen anybody do anything better. And if you want... Um, if you want his contact information, his specific contact information, because a lot of Fiverr people, they're not really good at what they do. But if you want my guy's contact information, just reach out to me. Um, you know, the show notes and, and the webpage and for, for my podcast, you'll see my contact information, and I'll, I'll remember to give it at the end of this episode, too. So anyway, create a really nice logo for your show, and you can use that uh, for your backdrop, which I'll talk about in a few moments, uh, some options for that. And you can also use your logo for tip number five, which is get your logo animated. And what's really nice about that is even if you do nothing else during your show that's pre-recorded, if you have like a quick introduction and your logo is animated with some sound effects behind it, this really gives your show a professional touch. Whenever I do a virtual show, whenever I put a new one together, and I've put together like seven or eight so far. Uh, you know, the one I booked the most is my superhero science show. But all of them, my Christmas show, my math show, all of them, they all have their own unique logo. And I went to the trouble of going to a different Fiverr guy, and I had them animated. Now, the logo may cost me 20 or 30 bucks to have it designed. The animation to have the logo actually, it, it becomes its own like little mini film. You know, if you think about um, the Marvel logo, whenever you're seeing a Marvel movie introduced, you know, they have the logo there and it's animated and you see scenes from past movies and the characters. It's obviously not that that um, dramatic or that um, uh, elaborate, 
but you know it 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 gives life to the logo and it, it animates it again look at my site for for ideas of what i'm talking about elementaryschoolassemblies.com so you take that you make that as part of your introduction and then you can segue right to your live show and it's very simple to do this and it really gives your show a nice professional flair it's kind of like why i had professional intros and outros designed for my podcast i've heard other podcasts and it's just the the host talking and then they end the show and that's that and it's fine it's sufficient um, I wanted to give my show some flavor, some chutzpah. So an animated logo will do that for your magic shows as well. Uh, and again, if you want a specific uh, Fiverr guy to animate your logos, contact me. I, I get my logos animated for like 12 bucks. He gives me like three to six different options, and there's always at least one, which is absolutely amazing, and he'll do revisions for you too. So for an, for an investment of between $35 and $45, I mean, you've just got an amazing way to set your show up um, in a very professional veneer, which is really nice. So tip number six, use a backdrop. Again, early on in the pandemic, some of the folks I talked to, some were friends of mine, some were just acquaintances, and I would see their shows and and clips that they were using. And many of them were just filming them, again, in their kitchen, uh, you know, in their kitchen and their dining rooms and their bedrooms and everything. And you can see the couch in the background and so forth. Uh, And and a lot of them did it because they wanted that natural light. They had lighting, and we'll talk about lighting in a second, but the lighting was coming in through the the windows and it looked nice and everything, but it just didn't look professional. I mean, I think a show should really be framed nicely because if you're just in front of your camera talking and there's no... um, there's no uh, uh, you know, production value, so to speak. Then you're just a person talking on camera. And I, I really think, it, unless you've got incredible content, incredible magic, and you've built up a following, I really think that having a backdrop really gives your show some production value, and it gives the, the folks booking you um, a feeling that they're getting some value for their money above and beyond just the content. So with a backdrop, there's a couple of different options. Um, a lot of the folks that I know, they use virtual backdrops. In other words, they do green screen technology. And early on in the pandemic, when I decided I was going to do virtual presentations, I tried. I, I had my logo designed for my superhero science show, which is uh, the first show that I had designed specifically for virtual. The other shows that I offer, my bully show, my mind control show, all of those, they were created for, for uh, live performances. And then I, I converted some of them, most of them, for virtual performances. But the superhero science show was the first show I created specifically with virtual in mind. So I went out, I got a nice logo designed, and then I tried to figure out the whole uh, green screen technology. I bought a green screen, I had professional lighting, I'll talk about that in a second, and I just couldn't, it it just didn't look right. It just looked to me, you can see the fuzzy edges around my body, and it just looked really fake. And I know there's limits to technology to anything, but some of the folks that I've seen, and again, I'll reference my friend Joe Romano, I mean, he's absolutely amazing. His his virtual stuff is incredible. Um, Ken Scott, another one, his virtual stuff is amazing. Uh, My friend uh, Smarty Pants, I've seen some of his stuff. His stuff's great, too. And I just couldn't figure out the the green screen technology. And again, this is back before I decided... Uh, before I realized, rather, that we're into this you know, COVID thing for the long haul. And by long haul, I mean, up, you know, we're, we're, we're barreling down in two years. So I didn't want to spend all this money trying to figure out green screen technology only to have it fail and burn up all that money. So I just went out and I had a, a professional backdrop, a physical backdrop produced using that logo. And it looks great. So I put it behind me. I do my show. I've got my pre-recorded segments, which are introduced with my animated logo. And it looks really nice and professional. And I've got you know, plenty of feedback and testimonials from clients especially my school clients who really like my virtual show. Um, The feedback has been fantastic. So backdrop, either real or virtual backdrop. Um, Number seven, 
if you're uh, if you have the option, and again, this is less of an issue if you're doing birthday shows, um, because you've got a you, typically you're probably gonna have a pretty small audience. If you're doing a birthday show, my guess is, and I've I never done a virtual birthday show, birthday party before, but when I do live birthday parties, um, I'll have anywhere from you know ten to like maybe twenty five kids. So theoretically, if every kid had to be admitted um, uniquely. Um, in other words, every kid is watching the show from their house. You'd have like 20, 25 people to admit into your, into your, uh, your, your virtual presentation. Um, that's not too bad. When it's less of an issue for me now than it was last year, but there were some virtual shows I did where they had 400, 450, 500 kids being admitted individually. In other words, we're going to have all the kids watch your show, Chris Johnson, and they're all watching from home. So it's, it's four to 500 unique logins. So that means when my show started, um, all those kids either had to be there when the show started and already logged in, or I was constantly letting people in who, who were admitted late. Um, because the reality of virtual shows is, you know, connections are lost, people have to be readmitted and so forth. Um, you know, maybe if the kids are watching from home, you know, they bump a button, they get disconnected, you know, they have a bad internet connection, you know, the parents don't log them on in time or whatever. So what I would do is I would get on the show um, about, you know, 10 minutes or so before the show was supposed to start and like a nice countdown and animated countdown clock playing with some music and everything, adding more production value. And I'll start letting people in. Um, and I believe, boy, man, my short term memory is so bad. I believe initially you could enable it so people could come in and be waiting in a room for you. You didn't have to admit them individually. And I think Zoom has made it so that you have to admit them in. In other words, you can't let them come in on their own. I could be wrong about that, but for security purposes and, and logistics and everything, I'd, I'd prefer it that way anyway, that I have to let them in. It's just, it's just easier that way. The school feels better, um, you know, minimize any risk and that sort of thing. So get on your show ahead of time, let people in, and then ask for, and this is, I'm getting to the point now of tip number seven. Ask um, if you're having a big show and you know there's going to be like several hundred unique logins, like at a school or a corporation or something like that, or some of my Discover Magic friends where they'll have, you know, two, three, as many as two, three hundred kids coming in for a virtual magic class, have uh, a co host. And the co host job is very, very simple. First, your co host can. Um, can you know toss somebody out if they're doing anything inappropriate, and and I'll I'll, I'll kind of cover that in a second with another section. And secondly, most importantly for the show production standpoint, if people are arriving late or if they get logged out accidentally and they have to log back in and everything, your co-host can let people in. Because there's been times where, for whatever reason, the school just did not give me a co-host. So I'll be there you know, doing the show and then watching the screen, and then I see people in the waiting room, I have to let them in, and it breaks my show concentration. My eyes are no longer looking at my webcam, so it looks like my, t- my attention is divided because it is. And the downside to the, to the performance is it looks like that I'm not fully engaged. So if you've got a co-host that can handle those uh, admission duties for you, and it just gives you one less thing to have to worry about. So if you have the option, you're doing a big crowd, um, get a co-host. So tip number eight, um, if kids are watching from home, uh, like in other words, uh, I just did a virtual show today, as a matter of fact, and all the kids, I believe all the kids are watching from their classrooms. We had, I think it was 28 unique log- logins. And I believe that every login was a teacher. So they had you know 25 kids or whatever the number was in each classroom. So the 28 logins was one teacher in every classroom logging in. The kids are watching from their seats. So as a result, uh, crowd control <laughs> became a lot easier issue. 
But if the kids are watching from home, and again, this is for a birthday show, for a library show, or whatever, um, you want to mute everyone as they come in, and you can you also have the option of turning off the ability for the guests to unmute themselves. Now, this is going to be a personal choice, because it depends how interactive your show is. Um, I decided early on that my show, the kind of interaction I was going to have with my show was going to be with the group. In other words, I'll tell you a little bit about the structure of my, of my science show. I get ahead of time. I give the school a suggested list of materials, and the, the kids in the class can have them as an option. The kids at home can have them. You can send the list to the parents, or they can just watch the show, absorb the information, and have the option of doing the doing the, the experiments later on. And this allows my show to be really interactive without calling on specific volunteers. And the reason why this was my choice is because again. Um, I was having two, three, four, five hundred unique logins, and if I was going to do a volunteer trick, you know, people raise their hands. Not everybody's going to have their camera turned on. I've got to scroll through all these screens and, and find a kid, and then you have to, you know, you know, yes, you, because sometimes the kids don't have their you know, the screen names correct. They'll be like their mom's screen name. Hi, can you know Barb there? Barb Johnson, can you turn on? Can you can you unmute yourself, Barb Johnson? I'd like you to do this, and then you finally get the kids' attention, and they go, "My name's not Barb." And then you realize that the screen name is actually the parent's name, for example. Uh, and then getting the kids' attention, maybe they turn away from their camera. There's all kinds of issues I didn't want to deal with. So the way people interact with my shows uh, typically is there's you know I want everybody in the group to do this. You know, hold up your hand, do this. Um, you know, I teach them how to make it. You know, just with their fingers and no other props, how can they can make it look like they're growing a third finger and all kinds of really cool optical illusions, which are very simple for even the youngest kid all the way up to the jaded middle schoolers to do as a group. So that's how I do my interaction. So it takes away my worry about you know, finding a volunteer, getting their attention, and slowing the whole darn show along. And I know I, I know I have an unpopular view. I know a lot of magicians out there doing virtual shows are able to um, keep the show moving and get, get a singular volunteer and go through this process, and it's great. And that's wonderful. I, I applaud them. It was just a choice I made for myself. So if, you're, if your show is more like mine, where you're having very few you know, individual interactions and it's all just about the group, turn off everybody's ability to unmute themselves and you have a lot less um, interruption, a lot less um, opportunity for troublemakers from an auditory standpoint. Uh, and it just makes your show run smoother because <clears throat> with me, it's all about smoothness. Now, if you do decide to have individual volunteers, well, obviously the step is not going to apply to you. Um, but again, um, my guess is a lot of people listening to this are going to be folks who are doing like family shows and birthday parties and things like that, where you've got a much smaller group, and it'd hypothetically be a lot easier to scroll through and find one person to volunteer for a show. So that's just a choice you can do. Uh, number nine, have great lighting. This is really, really important. Years ago, before I learned this step, um, I <laughs> and to the folks who bought the video, if any of you are listening, I thank you for not complaining and trying to ret return the darn thing. I put out a routine called the world's funniest zombie routine, and I stand behind the routine. It's a really funny zombie routine, a lot of comedy, really great for kids. There's a story to it. And from a narrative standpoint, it is far superior than just the mystery of this floating silver ball. Um, that being said, 
I put out a product, I had some, some live show footage showing me performing the show, and then the rest of it was me in front of my black curtain in my house explaining the trick, the psychology, building the props, and that sort of thing. Uh, the problem was I had really bad lighting, and I can admit that now. I didn't know any better. Really bad lighting to the point where, as, as I was filming it, daylight was rapidly going away. So like the last third of the explanation video, was, it was it, I looked like a hostage video. The lighting was so bad. <laughs> Look, I was filming it in my basement, which I wasn't. So again, for those of you folks who bought the video, I hope you got value out of the routine, and thank you for not calling me up and telling me what a what what you know what bad lighting I had because it was it was it was atrocious. So for my virtual shows, um, let me back up. I bought a lighting kit about five years ago because when I put together my demo videos for my show, most of my uh, demo video was live show footage. And sometimes the lighting was great at a school. Sometimes it wasn't so great. So I wanted to give production value to my demo videos. So I would film a nice demo video where I was well mic'd and in front of my backdrops and and talking to the to the potential booker on camera. You know, t- me talking to them. You know, here's what you're going to see. Here's some of the benefits of my show. That sort of thing. And it kind of framed the demo video with like, this nice professional touch in the beginning before I got to the live show footage. And over time, I got some really great live show footage, but. But I liked having that professional touch. So what I did was I went on, um, was it eBay? I can't, it's either eBay, eBay or Amazon, I forget which. And I got a, a lighting kit. It was two lights on stands, and they're they what they call soft lights, where inside these lighting kits, and the lighting kits themselves are, um, each lighting stand, I should say, the, the light box is, uh, I'm trying to think of the measurements, like two and a half uh, in uh, two and a half feet by like eight inches or something like that. And they got like this white cover that's Velcroed over it. You take the white cover off and you see a light bulb in there. And the light bulb's like a soft light and it's uh, one of those coil energy saving light bulbs where it's not a standard light bulb. It's it's literally in a coil. You know what I'm talking about. And then the 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 white cover that goes over it, it, it softens the light. I'm, my, I'm not a lighting expert, but I'm guessing that's why it's called a soft box. So I got two of them and I aimed, and the reason why I got two is if you have just one aimed at you, then light is hitting your face. It looks really harsh, and you look like you're filming a hostage video. Um, not a good look. So you want to get two and have um, one. If you're, if you're sitting and, and, and standing in front of your backdrop, you have one on your right, one on your left aimed towards you, kind of like a 45-degree angle. So neither one of the lights is hitting you flush straight on, but one is hitting the the middle to right side of your backdrop, and the other one's hitting the left to middle side of your backdrop, and it fills everything out. It makes you look really, really nice and professional and well-lit without having the, the harshness of one straight-on light um, uh, will do. Um, other people who are even more of an expert with uh, lighting, they'll have three lights. So they'll have like one behind them aimed down or something like that. I'm not an expert on that, but the two light setup that I have works out really well. And again, if you want an example of this, go to my website, um, elementaryschoolassemblies.com and just uh, watch any one of my demo videos. Like the first minute or so, you'll see in my videos look pretty good. I mean, they're not Hollywood quality, but they look really nice and solid. So, and my lighting kit, if memory serves, and, and again, I bought mine six years ago, or five or six years ago, so when I had to start doing virtual shows, um, other than a $50 webcam, I already had all the equipment I needed. It was, it was really nice in that regard. But I think, going from memory, that my lighting kit was uh, it was either 150 bucks or less than 100 <laughs> And I wish I could be more precise than that, but I don't remember. But they're, they're not expensive. So if you're going to continue to do virtual shows, or if you're just getting into virtual shows, I think that in you know, various parts of the country, at least, they're probably going to be here for another year. Um, so you know, get yourself a good lighting kit. 
Now, um, another tip, uh, tip number 10, is the option of having pre-recorded, completely pre-recorded. You know, some schools, and and especially libraries, they want that. I found early on, a lot of my library clients would say to me, you know, we really don't get a lot of turnout if we have um, one specific time for people to log in and see a live show. So can we get a pre-recorded show that they can watch for X amount of days or or times or what have you? And so I started doing some completely pre-recorded shows. And there's a couple of different ways that people have done them that I've spoken to. Some of them will have a password protected um, uh, page like on Vimeo or something like that where the videos are hosted and, and you know they, they give them the code and then after 30 days the code is taken away so it doesn't work or what have you. Um, and other times they will just go in the honor system. They say, you know, here's the link and you've got it for 30 days, whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. I'm not going to get into the tech aspects of it. You know, Vimeo is pretty easy to to use. You, you can get an account for, I think it's like as little as $8 a month, and you can host your videos there. What I did, and, and I'll tell you why I did it, I hosted mine on YouTube. That's where all of my videos are hosted, and it also helps with SEO. Now, the point of this conversation today is not to talk about SEO, but there's a really sneaky, neat tactic that you can do in YouTube. It's totally ethical. Google loves it. It's nothing black hat or anything, but it's one that a lot of um, people don't know about, especially magicians. I mean, I may have bumped into like maybe five magicians that knew this tactic, and I'll, and I'll, I'll <laughs> how's this for a curiosity gap? I will address that tactic in another uh, another episode. But anyway, if you the more videos you have online um, on YouTube, the more you have opportunities for what's called backlinks. And I'm really getting off base here, but that's why I hosted my videos on YouTube for backlinks and SEO. And what I did with mine is I didn't worry about passwords. I think initially I told my clients, yes, you've got access to the video for 30 days. And on day 30, I would go in, I would change the, the link so it didn't work. The video is still up there and it's still on a page of my website, but I changed the link so it didn't work anymore. And then after a while, I finally said, screw it. I didn't even care. So I just, I just tell my clients now, you know, here's the link. Use it into your heart's content. It doesn't matter to me. Um, part of it was like a customer service issue. The other part of it was I didn't want to worry about um, you know my time. I just didn't have to you know put a thing on my calendar. I have to go in and change this and change that and chase them down. I just decided to make life easier for myself. It wasn't worth it for the other you know potential bookings I might get. And uh, and I know some people, they had a different experience. They had some folks who were doing a lot in the library market. They would book 50 or 60 libraries in different parts of the country. And when COVID hit, you know, uh, a chain of libraries that a magician would normally get 10 bookings out of, they said, well, we want you to do one show. We're going to beam it out to all 10 libraries. So they lost a ton of income. So I understand from that standpoint that my philosophy of just, just give it to them, you know, pay the fee and just give it to them may not apply. I'm just telling you it works for me and, and, and my in, in my philosophy, mostly because I'm, you know, I'm, I've gotten to the point now where I'm doing other things other than performing. This podcast is one of them. Again, health issues, and you know, maybe I'll address all this in a future episode. But those are your options: have it password protected, have a unique link that is taken down after 30 days. Um, I would recommend if you're doing this for yourself and you don't have a tech team and you have access to your own video and you can put up new pages is put up a hidden page on your website. In other words, it's not accessible by the public. You have to send the link out to people. It's not on your menu. Have your website hosted on YouTube and have that video on your webpage. In other words, don't send them to YouTube to see your video. Have the YouTube video embedded on your webpage. 
uh, on your site. And the reason why is you get some extra clicks on your website, some extra visits, and and traffic begets traffic. You get some a little bit a little bit more SEO love that way. Not a lot, but you'll get some, and that will benefit you as well. And then you can also have on that web page, um, you know, thanks for watching this video. You know, please check out the other pages of my website. If, if you're selling products, if you have other shows, what have you, it gives you the opportunity to have other potential clients when they're if they watch your video, enjoy, and they start poking around looking at other things. So those basically are your options. And those are the top 10 tips that I can offer for virtual shows uh, moving forward. If you're brand new virtual shows, or even if you're a pro and you wanted a couple of things to ponder. So let's move now to this week's trick review. It's time for Trick Talk. Honest, detailed reviews of magic tricks, equipment, and other fun stuff to make your show the best it can be. Okay, let's move on now to this week's uh, trick review. This is a big one. This is the Up, Up, and Away uh, Levitation by John Peasy. And I hope like heck I'm pronouncing John's name right, because it's been a while since we've spoken. Uh, he's a friend. Um, he's a great guy. But for some reason, it's P-I-Z-Z-I. And I, I hope I'm, mi- I'm not mispronouncing his last name. And I feel really stupid saying that. But honestly, it's the best policy. So the Up, Up, and Away Levitation. John marks this as a levitation, as a perfect kid's levitation. And I I have to agree. This thing is phenomenal. Um, it's the the price is not cheap. It's about three thousand dollars. It's available at up up and away. Dot TV. Weird website, I know, but up, up and away dot TV. And on there, you'll see an endorsement by Jeff McBride and um, Hans Klock, the illusionist, and a few other famous magicians. And the way the effect looks is you've got this very this very thin uh, metal stand. You can see. Uh, you know, through the metal stand and everything, and then you've got this very narrow bed, and you get a kid that uh, comes up to be levitated, and they lay on the stand on the levitation on the table of the levitation, a uh, stomach down, and there's uh, like a nice shimmering, very very thin shimmering uh, uh, silver cloth that you wrap around the kid, and he can kind of talk about it being his, his cape or whatever the case may be, and uh, and then you make your you stand behind him, you make your magical gestures, and the kid floats. Now it's not like a chair suspension, or a magic flying carpet, or even the old X suspension. Uh, the Super X or whatever it was called, um, where it was it was a suspension where you pull away the supports and the kid remains floating. No, in this one, the kid actually rises in the air. That's why it's a higher price tag. There's some amazing engineering behind this thing. The kid actually rises about two and a half to three feet. I forget the exact measurements, but again, um, there's demo videos on John's website, and you see the kid rising in the air, and this thing looks phenomenal. I mean, you know, up close, um, this thing, you, you can't see anything. There's very little angle considerations, maybe a little teeny tiny bit from one side, but very, very little angle considerations. You could probably, probably do this thing surrounded. Um, there's like one part, and I can't really get into the secret, um, but there's one one tiny avenue of visibility you'd have to worry about, but it's very, very little. I mean, the angles are, are phenomenal on this thing. It's very quiet in operation. I don't think I'm revealing much to say that there is a mechanical, mechanical aspect to this because the child actually rises in the air rather than a, merely a suspension. And with just a little bit of music, you could do this at a birthday party. Um, I was speaking to a few of my friends who own this, and they said, yeah, I don't think it's going to work for birthday parties, which I wasn't concerned about uh, pre-COVID because I was mostly a school and library guy. But anyway, um, when once COVID hit, and <laughs> I got to tell you, my timing was terrible. I bought the thing in September of uh, 2019, so I only had a chance to perform it a whopping four times. Um, but those four times were phenomenal. It like literally um, gave me um, it, the ability to fulfill a childhood dream, which was to do a really kick butt levitation. I mean, like 
TV quality levitation. And in fact, John has been on TV, has been on America's Got Talent, put in a great appearance there. He's got some, you know, some national and probably international exposure. Really great, really great performer. And I could see that he designed this in a way that he wanted to be a worker, primarily for himself. And then he decided, why not put this out there for the magic community? I've heard this levitation compared with another one. Um, and pardon me, the name of this other levitation escapes me, but I don't think it really matters because I think this one is far superior. This other levitation that I can't remember the name of, when the person levitates, you see the seat cushion or the, the uh, not a bed, but it's it's not quite a, it's a big padded cushion they lay on. And then the on the cushion, they rise up. So the cushion and they and the volunteer floats in the air. And again, it looks great and everything, but the beauty of John's levitation, it looks like the, the, the person is levitating just themselves. There's no, it looks like there's no support at all. I mean, it's really, really magical. Um, setup is about the same as a chair suspension. When you get the piece, um, John provides a really nice uh, carrying case that goes with it, which uh, pretty much doubles or triples the weight. <laughs> so in the case, this thing is really heavy. I, I forget how much it weighs. It's on his website. I want to say like 70 pounds or something like that, which those of you listening sound horrified. But um, I actually went to John's house to pick this thing up. Um, you know, John lives in New Jersey. And at the time, I was traveling to New Jersey a lot for a lot of school shows. So I was able to just draw in. This is John's invitation. I said, John, he's still offering this levitation. It's recommended by Cody Fisher. You know, I saw Cody do it and everything. You know, Cody and I are friends too. And it was just amazing. So, um, you know, I contacted John. Yes, it's still available. Good to hear from you, Chris. Because again, John and I have known each other from way back. And John very graciously allowed me to come to his house, and he gave me like a good hour and a half to two hours of personal instruction with this thing, plus one other magician who was buying it the same day. So he went over the safety features of it and everything, and then he revealed to me the coolest thing in the world, and that was this thing is really robust. So John doesn't even bother to pack his into the case. I mean, if you've got storage issues, yeah, but he leaves his set up and he just tosses it into the back of his van. And then when he gets to the gig, all he has to do is turn the power on, you know, set the uh, the gimmick in place, and then he's, and he's good to go. And it actually, from that standpoint, it probably sets up faster than chair suspension. Uh, the angles are just as good, and it's a true levitation. Um, I have a chair suspension, too, that for reasons I'm not going to bore you with now, I actually pretty much have to use for one of my shows. And then the, the up, up, and away is something I use for my family shows and special occasions and everything. Um, but it's, I think it's a superior levitation to the chair suspension because the person looks like they're actually floating in there with no supports. Whereas the, the chair suspension, there's still that one chair there. And again, I'm not dissing the chair suspension. I use it. It gets a great response. This thing just blows people away. And again, if you want to go to my website, you know, elementaryschoolsummies.com, go to my PTO fundraiser family show page and my demo video, you'll see me doing this from a, a couple of, um, a couple of different angles and the angles of the, the videos of me doing it are from the very first show I did it. I had a school show I was doing and you know, I've been practicing it for like months and months. You know, I got it in September and this is a holiday show in, in, in December. So I had like three months of prep on it. So the, the videos on my demo video are the first two times I ever performed this. And you, as you'll see, it looks fantastic. Uh, and and <laughs> kind of a funny story about that really quick because why not? I was getting ready to do the show, uh, set up and everything, and then I was very nervous about doing this levitation, just because it's a brand new trick and it's just how it is. When you're doing a brand new trick, it makes you nervous. 
And uh, a kid comes in, and you know, I'll set up, I'll set up in the cafeteria, and the kid came in to pick up his book bag. I forget why the kid was there, and the kid is like in second grade. And he asked me, are you the magician? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what are you doing? So what are some of the tricks you're going to do? I said, well, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to float a kid in the air. And his eyes got really wide. And without saying a word, he reaches into his pocket, pulls out some change, and he hands it to me without saying a word. The kid was trying to bribe me and getting him to be the one picked to float the kid in the air. And I said, you don't have to give me money. You know, just raise your hand when I, when I call for a volunteer and I'll make sure you're the one. So the first kid I floated, you know, the first clip you're going to see, if you decide to go to my website, is that kid. You know, so it's kind of funny. The poor kid tried to bribe me. That just made me laugh. Um, so anyway, um, once again, I give this a solid 10 out of 10 because if you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, comparing it to the chair suspension, which is, yeah, if you're going to float somebody in the air, magicians worldwide, it's it's kind of like, it's not the only option, but I would hazard to guess that the chair suspension is probably the most popular option out there to float somebody in the air at a magic show for a working pro who goes out and does a lot of shows at different venues. Um, the up, up, and away beats it in every capacity. It's The weight is, is very similar. Uh, if you don't use the case, if you leave it assembled, then the uh, the setup time is equal to the chair suspension. The angles are fantastic. The only downside to it that I can say when, when comparing it to the chair suspension, you do have to wear a coat or an open shirt um, to, that will help with the working of the trick. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, but I don't see that as a big deal. You know, that's the only, you know, if you, if you wear like a vest or something in your show, then you have to wear a jacket for this piece. Or I think my friend Cody was going to experiment by wearing a scarf, that sort of thing. Um, but that's, that's the only uh, negative I can possibly give this thing when comparing it to the chair suspension. And to me, it's not negative at all. To me, the quote unquote sacrifice of having a wonderful levitation is worth wearing a jacket. And honestly, Honestly, when I'm doing my family shows, I wear a jacket anyway because I do um, Anthony Linden's uh, Incredible Suit Jacket Escape. So for me, it works out perfectly anyway. does not matter. So again, I give this sucker a 10 out of 10. Um, if you have any questions about it, you know, contact me. My contact information is in, is in the show notes and the website, and I'll give you my email now. It is chrisjohnsoninfo at verizon.net. Any questions about the show, any Q&A you want me to answer? And again, one of my goals with this show is to have question and answer uh, periods and segments during the show. But uh, Chris Johnson info at verizon.net. My first name is C-R-I-S, no H. And ask me any questions about this, about the topics we talked about in today's show, other topics we talked about in other episodes. And again, um, look for another episode of the, the Professional Magician um, podcast next week. And before I sign off, um, once again, if you want to find a, uh, if you want to find out how I earned two thousand eight hundred ninety four dollars for doing absolutely nothing, go to the Professional Magician Club. Dot com. Again, that's the professional magician club.com and sign up for the webinar. The webinar will give you a, uh, a nice, it's about a 20 minute long video, 21 minute long video, giving you 10 tips to making your website a booking machine. And the three bonuses you'll get, you'll be signed up for my uh, professional magician life newsletter, which uh, is going to come out bi-weekly. I'm launching it in January and it's going to come out bi-weekly. It's going to give you more professional marketing, performing uh, tips uh, to make you a better magician or up your game, level up. You'll also get uh, the a video report about the $2,894 solution and a PDF that goes along with it, which you can model for your own use. And uh, 
these are like my gifts to you to help you avoid some of the <laughs> some of the things that I did wrong, some of the ways that I got burned and, and why I did this. I think you'll find it very interesting. So thank you again for watching. If you enjoyed today's show, you know, send me a note, uh, give me a five-star rating and subscribe. I'd really love to get some subscribers. And thank you so much for listening. So Chris Johnson, see you next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you haven't already, subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of The Professional Magician. 